What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 360. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. Fellas, how you guys doing today? Good. Good. Really good. 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 Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. That too. Um, so Today's episode is going to be a fun one, I think. Like on our thread, uh, this this uh, text thread that we keep going in between recording days. Like Ronald made a comment about trying to do. It started off as a conversation about like year end stuff in general, just like best yeah. of, favorites, top list, whatnot. And it kind of molded or changed a little bit into this idea of talking uh, instead of just doing like you know favorite TV shows. We've talked about a lot of these things on the podcast before, and, and even some of the stuff we'll mention today, I'm sure will come up. But like to try to frame it around the idea of the streaming services, because we talk a lot about the state of streaming, you know, what's available, where um, the quality on certain streaming platforms versus others. So it kind of changed in this idea of kind of doing this, like a state of the union type thing or a state of the streaming wars, um, whatever we end up calling this. But the idea was to kind of look across the major streaming platforms um, and kind of break it down into each of us picking our favorite show from each. So um, there's tons of streamers out there right now. So to try to like kind of keep it clean, keep it simple. Um, we basically started discussing uh, talking about Netflix, um, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, HBO Max, and then an everything else category. Everything else basically being any streaming platform that has less than 50 million subscribers, you know, as of the most recently reported numbers. Um, and things like Hulu, which is owned by Disney, falls into the everything else category only because it is a separate service. They haven't merged yet. Um, but yeah, so like we can kind of pick anything that's available on a streaming service for that last category. But otherwise, you know, when we get to this part of the show, we're going to kind of just go through and pick our favorite show of the year. Um, probably we could say safely of the year since we're so close towards the end. There's nothing like major dropping uh, soon, but um I think it'll be an interesting conversation and we'll be able to kind of talk about the services in general when we kind of get a picture of what each of us pick for um, each one as we kind of go down the list. Um, yeah, it's been a yeah. while since we've done like a review episode. I mean, we used to do right, right. two or three of these at the end of the year, beginning of the year, um, and we will be having our um, our uh, uh, our movies I will re we'll return to that tradition. Uh, we'll do the best movies of 2022 coming up soon. This is kind of a different angle on that. Like you said, Steve, this is the schmovie, the schmovie part of our of our diet, uh, all that streaming stuff. But I also think this is kind of interesting because I, I, I think it has been a while, even within this year, we've talked about a lot of things like in the final moments of an episode that maybe one of us was watching that the others hadn't yet. And so we've maybe had little <clears throat> conversations about shows that we haven't had a chance to sit back and say, yes, this whole yeah, season yeah. was good. Or yes, this has sat in my mind. So even if we've talked about some of these before, um, I think it's, it's good for listeners who may have recently hopped on or listeners who haven't caught every episode to maybe, you know, circle this episode as a kind of appointment <laughs> episode, because this is a little bit of a, uh, uh, previously on movie schmovie, you know what I mean? We're, right, we're, right. Um, which again, we—if you're new to the show, this is something we used to do every year, uh, quite a few of these. And I think what happened was when the COVID era hit, it was just so disparate and hard to say what we were doing and what we were watching. Years didn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> um, and I think we finally are back to the point where I can look back and feel like I know what the last year in movies was like. 
it doesn't sure. feel like a big blur to me. So yeah, this this will be a fun one. But we also have a movie that's not from this year uh, or a show from this year to talk about that Ronald has required us to watch. Yes. <laughs> so before we, we get into that streaming stuff, let's do this. Let's talk about Truck Turner. Uh, Ronald, I, I just want to tell you one thing. I don't know what Truck Turner mm. is, but there's one thing I know he's not. He ain't a poot butt. He is. <laughs> I loved... I like, who's going to say that? that? At, <laughs> I love that they said that at the table. It's like, did, oh. they fight, did they fight to see who had to deliver that line, or did they fight <laughs> to see who, who didn't have to deliver that line? <laughs> Man, you know, it's funny. I, you know, my, my grandma used to say poop butt a lot. Like, it was like a terrible, you know, was, the guy's a poop butt. He's like a terrible, flimsy dude. He's like, you know, he's not reliable. He's a poop butt. Well, you know what it feels like? To... It feels like a cleaned up version of shit ass, which is oh, yeah. I got <laughs> I got called that all the time. That that's what my family was busy saying. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man. This is this is um... they, they, they didn't clean it up for you, John. They no, just they went straight in. It, it was you're right. It was just for me. Everyone else was a poop butt. <laughs> but with me, it was yeah, goddamn shit ass, John Walker. <laughs> Please come to dinner. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's uh 1974's Chuck Turner. Uh, original script written by Lee Chapman, who originally wrote this as a, a a white bounty hunter. And then I guess there was a point where they're like, man, let's open this up to Isaac Hayes <laughs> and let him do the acting and the and the soundtrack um, and just improv. <laughs> I was lot, wondering how much of, of that was improv and how much of that, because we will talk about this, I'm sure. But there's a lot of like joshing around in yes. this movie yes. that felt like it's a little written and scripted to me to feel improv, but it felt yeah. like, I don't know. There's a lot of sort of amateurish acting that has a lot of charm, you know, that's like, yeah. there's chemistry, but it's all, it's awkward sort of amateurish chemistry. There's an interesting thing going on in this movie with those because yeah. Isaac Hayes, I mean, let, let's say this, I don't know how many movies he did before this, but this feels like it's a bit of a, an attempt to kind of take what he did for shaft which was make this soundtrack. And a few years later, here, here he is doing the soundtrack and playing a guy who very much feels like a Shaft ripoff. Like even the opening lyrics to this to the thing are about like, who is this guy, you know? Yeah. And it's about, uh, um, you know, different character, but it's a similar concept. <laughs> Here's a guy who's going to get all the ladies and, and kick all the ass. Yeah. And he's going to have a very stiff denim duster on and he's going to rock it. Um, and that's going to be the Isaac Hayes of it. But you know, this was like an attempt, right, to turn him into uh, yeah, a, like a, a black exploitation star. Star. Yeah, it, it seems like it, man. It had had the formula, you know. The the soundtrack was so strong. Um, <clears throat> he was such a badass, and the, you know, one thing a movie needs, especially a good black exploitation movie, needs is a good villain. And goddamn it, when you think there's one villain, another one pops up, and then another one pops up. It just it's it, it's the gift that keeps on giving, and Yafet Koto and Michelle Nichols are like gold in this movie. I mean, especially Michelle, like who's just going for it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't they know. They're seen together. There's one scene late in the movie where they're like fighting about what's going on, mm-hmm. and I would say that was my maybe that was my favorite scene in the movie, just because it's yeah. like it's all the she's turning it up to 11 she, and she doing is. this character but it's like she feels like she knows she's in a black exploitation movie i don't know yes. if in, in 74 people had the context of like the type of acting that was going to feel kind of you know it yeah. set the tone for action movies of the 80s like mainstream movies you know this kind of over the top world but like that scene really is 
like the most absurd and the most like fired up that the acting gets. Yeah. Those, those two performers opposite each other doing something. He's great in this. He's got this understated quality. Um, but I thought uh, Harvard Blue uh, was was a pretty solid villain. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's great. In 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 the ancillary characters, like the white pimp that just shows up at the. By the way, with the eye patch that matches well, his whatever's going on with his yeah, shirt, yeah. he's always got like a he's always got like a so western style shirt on, and like the yeah. whatever the other fabric is on the shirt that matches the eye yeah. patch. Everything about this movie was so funny. Like pouring, putting cocaine on a dead pimp at his funeral. It's just like little touches that just made this thing. And the view, I like the. From from the casket view of the cocaine being kind of sprinkled, sprinkled on, like, yeah, pimp. and the and spit pimp. when Harvard Blue spits on him, you see oh the spit God. hit the camera too. Like, okay, so he's a bad guy, right? Like, at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah. Like when he got, I'm like, this is starting off hot. He, everybody's pulling on <laughs> cocaine. Oh, I'm so sad. And then he just go like a loogie. Into the into this and guy's... then then walks away, gets gets back in his car and drives away. <laughs> he made no. time to just do that. No. But then, like a couple no. scenes later, he's at the meeting at Dorinda's place, Michelle Nichols' house, to like decide how to avenge Gator. So it's almost like, oh, this is just it's all in the family. Even though he spit, yeah, he just yeah. spit on Gator. They have their own thing going on. Um, yeah. But I thought that that stuff was fun. Talking about the ancillary characters and the kind of funny things this movie does. I don't want to forget there's one touch at the beginning of this movie, like lots of city scenes, like some pretty believable drunken brawling outside a bar where people are half (laughs) laughing and half falling on each other and stuff. Uh, But there's one moment where it's like, let's show you just how bad things are in the city, folks. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. You will believe there's a man with a cat on a leash that is eating rice out of a box or something. And he's got booze in his pocket. (laughs) (laughs) that little reveal was one of my favorite little things i was just like man i'm in for something here what is this okay sad guy with a cat on a leash and then it panned in on the like the the bottle sticking out of his pocket and it's like man we are on the these things are tough there's a lot of cats in this movie can we say that too it's cat heavy it's cat heavy heavy. and and there's like this whole and they say the word pussy a lot they do they do they say it quite a bit yeah. And the thing about it is, like, even when Truck is kind of weird to the cat, like, he just goes, like, get the fuck out of it. He calls it, still... a, he calls it a fuck-ass son of a bitch. Because <laughs> it but pisses on this... the shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. And he wears and they, it out. <laughs> he wears it out. And his friend and tells him he's gross. Yeah, yeah. His friend just flipped With... to his face, says, his, my, my, my lady doesn't like you because she's a nice middle-class lady and you're gross. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's it, and there's a lot of like emotional stakes, you know. When 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 the characters <clears throat> die, they die. Mm. It really means something, you know. Like Truck is on a mission after a sudden death of one of the characters, and it's just it's just a lot of chaos. Like it it just feels so like eye for an eye, yeah. and then and then it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I just skip ahead <clears throat> a little bit. Yeah. Michelle Nichols. Every scene, she was incredible. Because at first, you're like, is she just like a random prostitute? Because, you know, when, when he first meets up, when he's trying to meet the the pimp, when he's first trying to meet Yeah, you could boss. believe that was a one-scene role where she's just got like a cameo, star power kind, yeah. of, kind of one-scene role. And then she turns yeah. out to be a lot more important. Right, right. It, it's cool how they buried the lead in that way. Like, I, I, I was not thinking that her boss would die. Like, I was not thinking that that was going to happen. 
Right. And then when she kind of emerges, she's like, oh, I have to be. By the way, I think she improved every insult <clears throat> in that room. Like it got to a point <clears throat> where it's like, are you just saying this to be mean spirited? Like, shut up, you white whore. You just shut up. It's like, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> you junkie whore. You chucky, <laughs> you you bitches better be selling some pussy. I'm like, whoa, the show. She went crazy, and it just, I thought it was special, man. Like it, it felt like, and oh, okay. One thing I also want to say is shout out to the people that um you know watch the trailer on YouTube and TikTok. I had like real engagement on TikTok. There were two people that actually said they saw it in the theater and said that the you know, back in 74 and said that the audience reaction was insane. I bet. You know, thank thank you so much for the for the feedback, guys, on TikTok and, and YouTube. So, like, it's cool that we're having this, like, engagement. We put the trailer up and then people are, like, in real time reacting. Oh, shit, I remember this movie. That's how I think that's how it works when it works, right? Yeah, when it, when it works, <laughs> right? When it, got, a little it works, got a little taste of it there Ron. yeah it's, it's, so, so it's guys, really cool we, you were talking about some of the great insults um you know if people are online maybe we can create some hashtags out of some of these insults i don't know if um maybe you can help me with even what does it mean take the grease out your ass man i don't know what that meant man okay there's another one too um he's like a bulldog with eyes up his ass <laughs> how does that that, 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 that that means he always sees it coming no, I'm wondering, like, the shit coming? I guess he sees the <laughs> no, shit. No, no, no. He's, he's a bulldog with eyes on his ass. He's got just, he's fierce from both ends. But he's like, got he's eyes up his ass. He's got eyes up his ass. I mean, let's just say <laughs> he sees anything incoming. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's like, it doesn't also, are those his only eyes? Or does he have eyes in the front, too? That's a good he's got, question. He's got extra eyes that are up his ass. It helps him, <laughs> though. That's one thing we know. No poot butt, and he's a bulldog with eyes up his ass. No, yeah. I think that you might be right about the ad-libbing, because I was trying to think like is some of this slang just slang that doesn't work for me or is this people that are kind of good and kind of not good like i said kind of charming in its way but like like even the line there's not to be gross but there's a line where he's talking about how how much he and his lady are going to have sex when she gets out of prison and he says um uh uh you're going to be deep walking through that or is that was it deep walking or deep uh i think that's what he said is deep Deep walking through that, and then he said, "All the way to the bowl." What does that I mean? Know. I wanted to I look know. up all the way to the bowl. What does that? What does that mean in seventies slang? Anyway, what that means? All the way to the bowl. It's very sexual and very odd and very much like these, yeah. like you said, I mean, to get back to what you were saying about Nichelle Nichols, some of those that scene, the back and forth, it's just crazy. And everyone in the room's like laughing and reacting and stuff. It feels like <laughs> the people are on set are kind of having the fun that you're seeing in the movie, yeah. or at least it yes. feels like it's that atmosphere. She starts insulting truck after passing the threshold of the building. It's like, it, it's so it's so intense between those two characters. When she when he comes to check to see where the her boss is before he gets killed, like they're like woo, and then she just firing insults at him immediately. I was like, what? What is this? I I just enjoyed it so much, man. Like, yeah, I would say like the biggest thing. I mean, I had never heard of the movie before you mentioned it, to be honest, but um. For for again, something that I'm always thinking about, like especially in today's movie landscape about like overlong movies and just like it just yeah. so much could be cut and things like that. 
you know, these last few movies that we've watched, this one included, I just feel like it they, it feels propulsive when you're watching yeah. it. You know, like the things you're describing, Ronald, like when they walk into a room, like it, it, it wastes no time like for something to happen. It's yeah. frenetic almost. Yeah. And it's just like, OK, well, I don't have a moment to like get bored watching this yeah. movie, basically, because it's just it's very well, like, I guess, I don't know, well paced, but it's just like there's so much going on. And even some of the things you mentioned, like the idea of kind of the, the bait and switch of who the, the real villain is yeah. and, you know, the stuff going on with his girlfriend and, you know, the other pimps. And it's just there's so much going on around the, the one yeah. mission that yeah. I just feel like that's that's a big I, I like that about it a lot. It's just the fact that, like, I don't know, you just don't have a moment to, like, lose interest in terms of how crazy these characters are being or how wild the dialogue is. It's just like <laughs> it just keeps trucking along oh yeah yeah steve i'm glad you mentioned the kind of crazy pace because i made a note yeah. of the frantic quality of some of those scenes like there's a scene where they rough up a guy a, a guy who's like going through the trash in the alley looking for stuff oh, yeah, yeah 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 it's not clear whether he's like uh, homeless or whatever's going on with him but he's just you know in the alley and they 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 basically just rough him up and threaten him until he gives him information and it's like they give him money but it's implied they're going to kick his ass um yeah and there's that guy who does seem to work for uh, uh, Harvard Blue, who they go to his apartment, and then <laughs> one of them grabs his arm, and the other one grabs his leg, and they like shake him around, and they like hang him out the window, and then he he gets gets what they what they want out of him, and then he kicks him through the phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> And right after that, there's a scene. He kicks him through a phone booth and the guy goes through the glass. He's he's walking down the street and he tells a guy to call the cops. Well, the guy who he tells that to happens to be a guy who's like delivering a, a, a water cooler bottle, whatever you call those giant bottles. And he gets scared of Truck Turner and runs and throws down the bottle. So there's like literally glass breaking in a phone booth. And like the next moment is a guy dropping a water bottle. So it's like, I don't know, there's just some of that kind of crazy chaos. But also when they go into a bar and get ambushed at, at later, it's got that instant quality you're talking about steve of like there's yeah. no there's no dialogue or pacing once they're in there it's just crazy and it, it does feel <laughs> a little bit like the people on set were maybe making improvisational choices but also like yeah. maybe the the formula that they knew they were working with I mean, it's kind of like again it's like when someone made an action movie in the 80s totally you know how to introduce this guy get him on the case give him a friend who who maybe doesn't make it to the end of the movie give him a, a significant other some of some form with the story going on there um yeah. there's a there's a lot of like what is part of this template that kind of works because they're zipping along like you're saying steve and, yeah. and because it is funny even if it's funny sometimes in a what the fuck sort of way um i just wonder if at the time they were making this they thought people talk this way or if at the time they were making this, they were like, we're being crazy and this movie's off the chain. But, you know, who yes. knows? But maybe there was a lot of cocaine going around. Maybe they didn't have <laughs> the corpses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I can't say enough about Nichelle and, and Yafit Koto, man. Also, let's let's talk about two shootings that just, there was three shootings that I think were top shootings I've ever seen in a movie. One is that random guy in the parking lot that wants to, they, that kind of gets the the okay to kill Chuck Turner. I guess there's like, is that like a like so, some money's on his head? Is that is that? Is I what, think in that, that meeting with everybody, basically you then see the crews. I think it's the guy who says "poot butt" is the guy you're talking about. Okay, the guy, the guy who attacks him in the parking lot is the one yeah. who said uh, Chuck Turner ain't. It's, it's not like he's a poot butt. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does in this like ballerina esque yeah. sort of like one foot up, very graceful death. 
Um, and then Harvard Blue's death was like upsetting. Uh, yeah, it was like visceral, man. Like it, it did that like thing where you follow somebody for like it's that thing that you do when you panic, when you like run out of breath or something like that. Where you when just... you think you're, when you think you are okay, like it's like the yeah, guy on the battlefield yeah. who doesn't know his guts are hanging out, yes, and is yes. saying, "Guys, guys, you got to get me out of here," and everybody's looking at him, going, "You're, you're done." And like yeah. even truck doesn't. Like he could open fire on this guy, and it feels like the kind of movie where he might just shoot him until he's dead. Yeah. But he's watching him. Instead, he hangs back and watches him die. And then it, you're right. Every time we cut to Yafet Koto in that, it's a close up of his face, and he's like, his eyes are glassy. I mean, the acting job he's doing is amazing because it upset me. It made me think yeah. like, oh, I wouldn't want to die. Like I'm not even wishing that on Harvard Blue. And he's not a guy. He's not, he he killed a cat. I mean, you know, frankly, he killed a cat. I'm I'm not I'm not here for this guy. But no, you're you're right. That moment, it, it the shooting was interesting because he gets shot in the back twice as he's walking away. And then there's yeah. just a moment where Truck stops shooting him and kind of watches him stagger to his feet and we hang out with him for a long time while he tries to get up and tries to get away so it's kind of like the movie's really saying like you know when a movie does that like really hangs around and watches somebody like kind of die foolishly like that yeah. it's basically saying like this person's terrible and they yeah, kind of deserve yeah. to go out in this awful way but it really did feel like wow and after all these people we see get shot and like just fall off a building or whatever here's a really yeah. like you said visceral death where i felt like i was looking at a person's eyes when the light went out of them yeah um, i that was weird it yeah. felt so strange Powerful. yeah and i'm glad they did it uh yeah that's just stuck okay with okay me. if you made this movie today and you were mm. trying to come up with like a, a cool black exploitation hero i don't think you would have him uh entrap his girlfriend so that the cops arrest her and take her away from a that was, yeah, that was harsh about and that. crazy yeah. i felt i feel like that felt like a clever thing at the screenwriting stage and kind of funny thing, but especially in the context of what we know now about cops and police violence and calling the cops, that seemed like he was sitting there kind of going, he, that moment felt too crazy for me, but also it just felt like this is, this movie doesn't quite have its heart right when it comes to the cop stuff yet. You know what I mean? Like the best black exploitation movies that I've seen, there's you don't you don't use the cops to entrap your girlfriend. Like yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the cops are to be avoided. But I did I did think that was an interesting moment. I love that. I also loved um when he first caught the first dude, he is like saying every racist thing that is in his head. And he's like yeah. You wouldn't you won't just fight me. He's like, okay, cool. And yeah. they just fist fight on the side of the road in a field. Yeah. <laughs> what? His friend's getting bored. He's like, come on, haven't you it's beat like, him on. enough? Yeah. God, man. It's so fucking funny. Oh man. So so you guys thought it was okay then? Oh no, that's, I mean it's super cool. fun. I mean, yeah, I feel like fun. Yeah. I feel like this is in the the that I feel like mm. kind of we're on a tear with these required viewings. It's fun. Oh thus man, far. this has been and, fun. And, at this point, even if we get one that's not good, but if it's not good in an interesting way, I'll be glad we all watched it together. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so this, but this was fun because we, you're right, Ronald. You said you're going to make us watch a black exploitation film, and my first thought was, "Oh, make us, let us." It's like I love those. I've seen many, but oh, I realized yeah, yeah, we yeah. haven't really focused on them on the show too much, and I wonder if it's because culturally it's kind of hard to figure out how to frame them because a lot yeah. of what you're laughing at is stuff that hasn't aged well. <laughs> and yet what's happening culturally with these movies, I don't know. It's just an interesting snapshot. And I think the fact that this movie started out as a 
it's weird to think that someone would be writing a script and thinking this is a white bounty hunter story, you know, <laughs> but I understand what that what in 1974, what it meant to say, we're going to make this a black exploitation movie. I mean, they knew yeah. what that we, they knew what that meant. And again, like yeah. I said, there's a lot of there were a lot of like boxes to tick that they ticked in this yeah. to, to make this that kind of movie. But I do think it might be that some of that stuff, like maybe the stuff with the cops. Maybe that stuff was a hangover from when this was not uh, intended for a, a black character. You know? Yeah, yeah, for it sure. It seems like maybe that would have played differently if it wasn't like a person potentially getting their girlfriend gunned down by the police. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he laughed at her not even like 20 feet away from her. He's just like. Yep. <laughs> I took oh, care no. of that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. No, that was fun. So, yeah, thanks, man. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Well, so, so what's next? Uh, what's our next required viewing, Steve? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if this is going to end up going well or not, but I, I'm only doing it because it's timely and I need to do this uh, uh, because I I don't I saw it one time in theaters and it was you know a phenomenon and became the largest h- highest no. grossing movie of all time. And uh, its sequel finally comes out next week, so I think we should rewatch Avatar. Yeah. And honestly, That's like my I, and this is a weird thing too. Like my daughter, one of her learning apps, it's weird on her iPad. Um there's there's some like other app that they have, which is like a game. I can't remember what it's called. It's it's a game, but like one of the ads, like on this level that she's having trouble getting past, is like nonstop avatar way of water. And she is so interested in it. And I'm just like, I don't remember a lot about Avatar. I remember bullet points and you know my feelings in general and you know yeah i think it was an awesome cinematic experience seeing it um when we saw it but i definitely need to rewatch it and like see if it's something i can watch with her because i don't really remember like i feel like language probably is the problem and maybe some violence but like i just talk about just talking about it a lot recently i'm just like i don't know when i'm gonna rewatch avatar and i'm just like hey now I have a section on my podcast with my buddies where we have to watch something. So, I mean, I'm sorry, maybe if you, if either of you are not fans of it, but um, I feel like, I feel like it has the opportunity to be a huge movie. So, you know, having not been able to see it before it comes out, the sequel, I mean, it'll be cool for us to rewatch it, kind of be fresh with it. And, you know, in the, in the weeks that end the year, be able to check out and talk about the new one here uh, on the podcast, you know, shortly after rewatching it. Cool. So, so we are probably going to have one of our regular weekly episodes next week, um, and then we might be maybe going because I go out of town. So it might be that then w- when we come back after that, it will be our like uh, looking yeah. back at the year, or maybe yeah. we'll we'll spend some time talking about a- Avatar two um, before we get into our best of the year or something like that. But no, I, mm-hmm. I I like that idea, Steve, because I've been very curious about the hype for the new one. I mean, right now the hype. The, the press screenings that have happened, people yeah. are talking about the things you expect people to be raving about on a James Cameron movie, which is the effects. Like there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's amazing. It's mind blowing, much better than the first. And if you scratch a little beneath the surface, you'll see a lot of people saying some some of the same things I would have said about the first one, which is right. Right. the spectacle is almost enough to make you ignore the you know uh thin characterizations or cheesy dialogue or whatever it's got all the strengths and weaknesses of a james cameron thing the advantage of having all the strengths of a james cameron thing is that that last hour is probably going to be an amazing as you said steve cinematic experience so i'm not looking forward to three hours plus of avatar (laughs) 2 the way of water or just avatar the way of water um but i am crazy i'm extremely interested to see that aspect of 
just okay this is the new latest greatest attempt to give us this giant immersive experience even if i'm not crazy about the the imagery i think i can appreciate the detail and and the like i did with avatar where i was i the sure not so much the originality of it because a lot of it felt kind of warmed over from other things but just the newness of what it was trying to do and how fully imagined the world was i'm excited right. by this idea that we're going to go into the ocean and just see a bunch of cool creatures and it's going to look interesting on a big screen i don't know if i feel like 3 hours uh, you know <laughs> uh, you know it's just it'll be interesting to see if the story's there <clears throat> but no good choice we'll see we'll yeah. see all right. So um, just so as a reminder for anybody that didn't watch Truck Turner, I know I watched it on Pluto TV. I did if, too. If anybody yeah. has that. So that's one of the fast services, free ad supported streaming television. So a lot of ads for Yellowstone, the yeah. spinoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and you'll and you'll see that for those because uh, they're like parent companies is Viacom. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Pluto is a cool service. You know, it's one of those right. fast services and freebie, which Amazon owns is another one. If you want to check them out, they have a lot of just all over the place library titles um, that they're really kind of building up and, you know, transitioning into our streaming talk, like the fast services like Pluto and like Freebie, like they're some of the more profitable streamers <laughs> that are out there right now because of it. the way they've been able to use ads. But um, yeah, it's on Pluto. If you want to check out Truck Turner, just to wrap that up. Um, but yeah, okay, let's transition into this uh, this this list idea. So I guess we'll just kind of go through each network and we'll just, or each streamer rather, streamer slash network, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, just kind of go through our, our picks and just a brief reason. And, you know, we can have a discussion overall at the end of it, I guess, with the state of everything. Um, yeah. Once we kind of know where we each fall with each, which each service. So uh, let's just go top down. So let's start with Netflix. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'll just put mine out there real quick. Uh, Stranger Things season four was my my pick of the year. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, beyond just this year, beyond Netflix, uh, knowing that there's only one season left, I really think that they've done a pretty good job of setting up like what what a final season could look like with the penultimate season and um, new characters are being introduced. You know, they have the cultural moment with like a crazy awesome eighty song that catches on. Like, there's just they were it was interesting to see what Netflix was able to do with kind of breaking it into two parts to try to kind of on the surface, you know, draw things out and kind of be able to have people watch it in two different uh, quarters uh, for the year for like their earnings reports. But I think in some ways it did. And we talked about this earlier. It gave people an opportunity to really kind of like catch up on the majority of the season and experience the last two episodes as close to together as we could, you know, with yeah. what you see Netflix doing, which I thought was a success from my experience. Um, and, and in general, I just, I just love the season. Um, but yeah, Stranger Things season four uh, is my pick. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll piggyback on that and say, you kind of took that for me. <laughs> so I'll, okay. I'll name another show that I thought was really strong on Netflix this year, but I kind of think what you're saying about Stranger Things, I just want to say, like, I think what you're right about there is that, if there was a perception that people had sort of cooled on the show, if, if season right. three wasn't everybody's favorite, if like season one was like going into season two and some people might say season two was, was even better, you know, sure. um, season three, you didn't hear as much of that about, but you heard other people who thought it was great. And this was my favorite thing, but it was <clears> becoming <throat> a little bit more divisive. And I feel like at the end of stranger things, season four, there was a little bit more back on the same page. People I knew that had watched the show and fallen off had gotten back in people. I sure. knew that were never fans of the show had said this was a pretty good season. There's just, it seems like people are, 
excited. And maybe it's some of that energy showrunners get when they know they're closing in on an ending that they have in mind. Sure. There's a little bit of confidence. There's a little bit of talk now about how many characters they left alive at the end of the season. But I really think that's so that they can break our hearts as, as I think so. every episode uh, next time. Um, but so since that got taken, I'll just throw out there a, a show that I, I, you know, that show was far and away my favorite Stranger Things was. I don't know if it was a weird year for Netflix, um, that there was nothing that just knocked my socks off outside of that. But I had a lot of these flawed shows, shows that I really liked and I wanted to put forth. But I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to recommend that or if I want to say this was the best thing. Uh, so of those shows, I, I'm going to say Sandman um, was the show that I don't think we talked about on this podcast at all but um i was sick there was one point i had a very mysterious ailment for like two weeks it turned out not to be covid but it was something really bad stomach thing over the summer and i got or i i just sat down and kind of had one of those days where i could just veg out yeah. and and watch and i let myself really kind of get into it and get past the the awkward setup mythology moments that it, what it was trying to do and then by the time it got to the end of the season i really appreciated how it was able to sort of combine an anthology aspect with a long-running storyline it it kind of felt like it was nailing something about the sandman comics which admittedly i was never a huge fan of not that i didn't like them but just that i didn't read that many of them mm. but but what i had read i knew that it was a thorny concept to try to turn into a movie or even to turn into a show if you weren't going to do it right and i think what they did that was so smart was they bit off a relatively small piece of this giant mythology rather than trying to tell like the greatest sandman story ever in a season they 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 kind of started at the beginning and pulled from stories that you need to set things up if they get their season two and they they can pr pr progress with it i think the confidence of that season might be something really amazing but that first season of sandman really does set up a unique mythology that's creepy and and sort of sci-fi superhero but also sort of horror fantasy um neil gaiman is a guy who has had a lot of books and comics that people love but hasn't been adapted that much, um, or at least not in things that feel like they hold on to the full qualities of what his his <clears throat> writing and comics can be. So yeah, right. I thought it was an interesting an interesting show and has two or three episodes that really do stand out. The, the episodes that feel a little bit more like their anthology episodes are often are the ones that really stand <clears throat> out. But um, by the time it got to the end of the season, they had established this kind of weird, chilly character in this weird world. Um, and you know, I don't know how many people, I don't know what the numbers were like for this show, but my impression was the reaction was strong enough for Netflix to, to maybe keep it going another round. So Sandman. Cool. Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm going to piggyback on Steve's pick, uh, <laughs> stranger things season four. Um, I think this is what happens when you give, um, a production team space to let an art go you know, to, to, to let it flesh out and see it through. I mean, a, net, a network would have let go of Stranger Things after the third season. Not because it was bad, but because it didn't do as well as the first two. You know, it's like almost competing with itself. But the fact that they let them do, you know, the third and <laughs> let, let them play it out the way they wanted to play it out. And then the fourth, we wouldn't have appreciated the fourth had the third not done the building that it did, it, it it really paid off the relationships that that were established in the third season and stuff like that. So, um, it's almost <laughs> like this. It's it's the season two of The Wire. That's the Stranger Things season three. I mean, because it's it it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not as good as the other 
seasons, which is so weird that it it's competing with itself in that way. That's my favorite so, season, yeah. I think. But it's a I'm good a season, man. <laughs> a real good season. Like especially you know what as, I love like, about own... season two of The Wire is that scene where our guy is going down to the docks to meet with the Greek. <clears throat> And mm-hmm. and they've gotten the news about everything that's going on behind the scenes. And he mm-hmm. doesn't even know he's walking up to the guys that are about to kill him. And he yes. talks to him right before he gets there and says, your way, it won't work. And then the like the other guy he, he's saying that to is the guy who wanted to work with. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name, Frank Sabotnik or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Sabotka, whatever it is, the 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 union guy. That's one of the great. Uh, yeah. It's just a chilling moment that I feel like I I don't know if I got a moment. Well. The Wire always had chilling moments, but that's a conversation yeah, for a different lots day. Of them. Let's remember to talk yeah. about The Wire sometime. I don't, I don't think that's no one's talked about that, right? How good that show is? <clears throat> no, 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 not nobody at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's it, it's their season two, and yeah. uh, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it it's competing against itself in a weird way, um, and it just rewarded everybody for kind of their allegiance, especially if you started from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. something. Something hit us really hard that the people that kind of stuck it out, you know, like I, I was, I kind of expressed to Steve how disappointed I was in the third and you, yeah. John, I, I told you too, just how weird I felt about it. It, it, it just didn't feel quite as stranger thingsy as it, as it was. And then, and it's almost like they took that information. They're like, cool. We, we, we did this, this work in third and third. And they and they listened in a way. It's weird. Well, it's let, like, well you got to acknowledge they also had time to do that because time. <laughs> because of COVID. But yeah, they had time. Like, but yeah, but again, like yeah, benefit Netflix them, giving them the space to do that is is crazy. And the fact that it was this fourth season was a bigger cultural phenomenon than I ever have seen. My um, wife's niece was quoting things from the show that she had never seen before right. people are taking it from for, for the for the uninitiated yeah. people take things in through tiktok with no context yeah so there's all these compilations of things like vital lines storylines that people really like that they know nothing about except the lines and aaron's niece was just like quoting this show like like the back of her hand, but didn't know any of the stories. Well, I mean, Eddie so she, was a it was a huge breakout character. Oh, Eddie was incredible. You, you already mentioned the Kate Bush moment, uh, Kate Bush yeah. of, uh, as we say, of it all. Um, I, I think that there is <clears> a. Um, you're right that it, like it managed to connect with the broader conversation in a way that wasn't just like better than what season three did. It was like yeah. a monumental, it's huge. It felt it felt huge. It felt like. Yeah. Definitely the whole COVID thing, the time away, the year or so that we would that we would have gotten a season, but we didn't. It created that anticipation. Um, and of course, there were a lot of jokes as well, memes about the kids being like 30 or whatever. Yeah. But, but I feel like people forget how much pe- people really do change between like 14 and 16 yeah. and 17. Like, so I think that the show has plausible deniability right now. I think coming back and picking up right where they left off at the end of this season is going to be... A problem if that's what they're doing because yeah. those kids are starting to to look you know <laughs> a little For different sure. but that's about it otherwise i think it's amazing this cast this group of characters how much we care about them yeah. um murray come on has become like w- such a great character a guy who felt like he was a character that they invented so they could kill him turned yeah. has turned out to be like one of the most heroic forces on the show For um sure. so no i think that uh yeah you're right ronald it's a sign of 
creators who've been given a chance to do the story they want to do and 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 a, a creative team that clearly is invested yeah in, in making this world feel feel real to us you know for sure for sure cool so what's the next streaming so service? let's go let's let's go down the list the uh, uh, right on the heels <clears throat> allegedly of netflix possibly surpassing them sooner allegedly. later <laughs> is uh well amazon prime they have a they have a uh a call i think this week or next where they're going to kind of get a little more into the numbers that they claim but they, they may act may they may actually be past netflix and subscribers but it's a question right. of who's actually watching amazon prime video yeah yeah being an amazon prime subscriber <clears throat> but you know numbers wise they're they're right there um but yeah my pick for amazon prime would be the boys season three mm. <clears throat> um i admittedly i don't really watch a lot of amazon prime there's only really like I'd say consistently been maybe five or six shows that I've like really kind of loved on the, on the platform. And, you know, some of them, I, I think one of them got canceled or maybe it's getting a, a one extra season and then it's kind of wrapping up, but like um, a lot of comedies that I enjoy, but I mean, this one is, you know, in terms of <clears throat> the scope of the show and like not being familiar with the source material of the show, you know, in the first couple seasons and honestly kind of going into season three, I had completely, slept on season two like i didn't watch season two like at the start of the whole covid times i remember like my co-workers like just raving to me about it and like how have you not watched the second season knowing how much i like the first i don't know why like i just it just fell off the radar we talk about it all the time it's just like there's so much op opportunity to watch anything that you know it's it's something that i i only watch but you know the time i watch stuff with aaron my wife like she didn't want to watch that you know so it's like i'm watching it when i have my own time to watch something but I think I benefited from being able to kind of binge season two into season three and even catching up to a point because of the access that we had to screeners and such. But yeah, I just thought the third season just kind of continues to do what the show does so well. <clears throat> just great characters, great villains. The, you know, the most interesting character on the show is the villain, arguably, um, you know, love Homelander, you know, um, the, the actor who was it, Anthony Starr, like, you know, I, I don't know what else he's doing, you know, or you know, outside of the boys, but I would love to see him in more stuff because um, I think he's just phenomenal on the show. Sadly, and Steve, uh, he's going to be playing characters that feel like a reaction or a compliment to this character, probably for the foreseeable future. You know what I mean? Like he feels yeah. this is so indelible and so much like his his look. He's got this otherworldly kind of quality. I wonder, you know, it's the James Gand Gandolfini <clears throat> concept of like is it going to be hard to get this character out of your head when you see this guy, if he's playing like a suburban dad, am I going to be thinking sure. like, man, Homelander's got him fooled or is right. it going to be believable? Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. He's but great. No, he's great. And, and yeah. And Billy I, Butcher, I had the same journey you did with season yeah. two going into season three. And I think we talked about it on this show just for sure. me realizing not just, Oh, that show is for me for after thinking maybe it wasn't quite my jam. Um, but then thinking like it's some of the smartest, uh, um, you know, commentary on superhero stuff, smartest meta, whatever you want to call uh, about that at a time when we culturally are getting kind of tired of the same old, same old yeah. superheroes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Who's picked? So John, you're next. Um, you know, the, there were two obvious things to choose with Amazon. And I had to think to myself, which one of these might be a one-timer and which one of these might have many more years for us to be talking about it. And so I chose the one that might be the one-timer. In a way, it's about the boys too, but these are the kids, uh, the kids in the hall season that Amazon produced that, um, you know, I talked about it when it came up uh, timeline wise on this show, but just 
as a big fan of, I'll talk to Steve's empty chair and Ronald about the kids in the hall, but as a big fan of the group when they were new and when they were on, you know, on HBO and when they moved to CBS, um, that fifth season when it ended, uh, you know, I knew they might do more together. I didn't know they would come back and do essentially a sixth season of the show. Like it wasn't a movie. It wasn't, you know, they've done different projects over the years, but the fact that this was essentially as though they, they hit pause and then came back this many years later, 30 years later, almost to do a sixth season looking older, you know, looking paunchier, uh, but, and, you know, maybe playing into the fact that they seem unlikely and out of touch and all of that. Um, so, so I would say that, uh, uh, even though I think that, you know, Amazon could probably scrounge up another 50 bucks and let them make a second season of this. Uh, I think that in the world of these streaming series, you, the ones that get the guaranteed second season, the ones that get guaranteed to come back are the ones that are huge hits, you know? So, um, so I don't know if we'll be seeing more of this, but, uh, but I was glad that they got a chance to do it. And a couple three sketches from the season were among my favorite sketches that they've, they've ever done. So yeah, kids yeah. in the hall, the sixth season, the reboot, whatever you want to call it, but there's eight episodes on Amazon prime. Cool. Um, so, uh, Deborah Iorende, um, I had first seen in the show them. And uh, mm -hmm. this is not my pick. It's not them. It's actually if Dynasty ran full speed in the succession, you would have this show Riches, mm. um, which is one of the strangest. It is a sleeper snuck up on me towards the end of the year. It's like <laughs> all the drama of Dynasty with some of the power <clears throat> dynamic of succession. Um, a young woman gets a call that her dad passed away, long lost dad. And she inherits uh, a hair care company in London. So she has to fly from New York to London. And the, the the new family that her dad made absolutely hates her and wants to destroy her at every corner. So it's 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 her. Um, it's also Sarah Niles from uh, Ted, who is like uh, mm. Ted's therapist. She has kind of like a sexy edge to her in this show. It's really cool to see these characters you know, them, you know, seeing the, the the star of them being used in a way that didn't feel like this trauma, trauma, trauma. She's really cool and beautiful and sexy and has all this power. It's a it's a fun show. Uh, and, you know, you don't you won't go to sleep feeling terrible about it. You're like, oh, OK, I wonder what's going to happen next episode. So cool. Riches, that's my that's my pick for Amazon. I've never seen that. I need to watch that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, man. It's fun. It's a fun show. All right. So let's go and uh, moving on down the list. So the next one would be Disney plus. Um, so I almost, I, I was almost going to mention Andor, uh, and this is kind of like a side mention real quick, just because I think it's an incredible show. We talked about it a ton last episode, but if I'm being honest with myself, the show that I enjoy watching on Disney plus most, and most importantly, because I can watch it with my kids and my wife, and it's just the best thing to watch, period, is Bluey. And okay. I've mentioned Bluey before on the podcast and in my personal life with adults all the time because, yes, I have two young children, and that's why I watch this show. But, mm. like, legitimately, like, it's just an incredibly well-written show about parenting, about children's learning, you know, th these, these two sisters and the parents, the way they use their imaginations to learn, and the way the parents use, you know, their own imaginations and fun and games and things like that to teach their to gently teach their children these lessons. Um, 
you know, the episodes are only like seven or eight minutes long. You know, they're very short, you know, in the, the, the back half of the third season and hit Disney plus, you know, in the summer and had its moment, like where everybody was talking about Bluey. <clears throat> and I was happy to see Bluey finally make her own appearance. And then Macy's uh, Thanksgiving day parade this year. So she's finally stateside. Um, I can't say enough things about Bluey. Like it's the best kid show like I've ever seen. Even remembering my brother watching stuff, with my younger brother watching stuff, with my younger cousins, you know, the shows that we can kind of all point to as being like, you know, those shows that we grew up on. I think this is one of the ones that I feel very, very fortunate and very thankful that like my daughter, my son, who love the show, um, that they have access to a show like this. It's just so heartwarming, so sweet, so innocent and just like so positive and just fun. And it's just an incredible series. So, you know, whether you have children or not, I think, you know, th this kind of show can really have an impact on anybody and, and you know just to feel good about life i don't it's such a positive show and they said such a good job and like in in kind of tackling some some challenging subjects that like you know young kids can kind of come can unfortunately come across in their lives and the show i i honestly i've never seen any any of it handled as well as bluey handles it and i you know this isn't like a straight up and down disney show officially kind of thing like they 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 have the you know the distribution for it here in the States, but you know, the argument can be made for a lot of the Netflix stuff too, that are other things that Netflix just buys. But this is one like, you know, where somebody says, you know, why do you have Disney plus still, you know, there's a couple shows that I love on Disney plus, but this is the one that we, we watch this show, not, not exaggerating daily for multiple episodes, just because they're so easy to ingest and just such a joy to watch. And yeah, they're, Oh man, just I love Bluey. So yeah, Bluey's my pick for Disney Plus. More Bluey, more Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> John, um, what you got? I was so sure that Andor was the obvious answer here that I was like, well, if I'm not going first, I have to have something to say. <laughs> but since I don't have to say that now, I'll just say Andor. And we there talked about Andor like a whole half an episode last week. So just refer to refer to last <clears throat> week if you want to hear my. Uh, my thoughts on Andor, but just in general, I think that it was really smart and really turned out to be a really satisfying, complete statement. Uh, and that, you know, I rewatched it uh, with my wife and, you know, it held up like it rather than feeling like when, when, when you've got a slow burn, that second viewing is always a, a test. It's like, well, was the slow burn? Is it just boring if I'm not wondering what's going to happen? You know, right. And the truth is, no, it was actually cooler in some ways because I was catching all the lines of dialogue that set up notions uh, of some of those big moments that we have, big philosophical moments, the little the little threads of those philosophical debates are threaded throughout the season. So it actually second time through was even was even better. So yeah, Andor. Cool. Nice. Um, what a boring answer. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's not boring at all when it's like the best Star Wars thing of yeah, recent memory. Yeah. You know. I just um, mean coming out of left field with I know, Bluey. I, I was sitting here wishing I had. I wish you know. I, 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 I and I and I was betting on everyone thinking I was picking Andor, especially going first. But like, if I'm like I said, if I'm being honest, no, I I I the figured there was that the I could chance not live that was out yeah. on on Disney Plus. Is yeah. Well, I remember That's when really Henry cool. was that age, how important those things were, Steve, because yes. I felt that way about. Um, he was little when 
Yo Gabba Gabba was going full force. And I was like, man, I'm so glad he's got a show where they're turning, like eating your vegetables and being right. kind to your friend. They have a song called Don't Bite Your Friend or whatever. You know, like it was so fun. <laughs> but also uh, Adventure Time, <clears throat> yeah. Gumball, I love Adventure uh, Steven Universe. There were all these yeah, great yeah, narrative yeah. shows with like epic sensibilities about storytelling and humor and art that I was like, I'm so glad that Henry, he doesn't even know that he's grown up in this golden age of like really sure. creative, funny cartoons. Yeah. It's amazing. Have you watched yeah. Bee and Puppycat? I've seen a little bit of it, but I have not oh watched it. No. It's, it is. It's up there with Adventure Time. Uh, but what we're talking oh. about is a funny phenomenon where you become an expert on those shows for a few years. And yeah, then yeah, one yeah. day you're sitting there and someone mentions Bluey and you're like, I know about Bluey, but I didn't know it was that good. You know, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> then you realize I don't ever need to sit down. Like me and Bluey might not ever have that much of a meet unless I decide I'm going to just watch some Bluey here at home. I think you should, happen. John. Okay, it's just so. it's just a positive experience. I, I need a little pick me up sometimes. So I might, I might dip into Bluey. It's there on Disney Plus. Cool. <laughs> Ronald, what's your pick? What's your pick? If if Andor was the best Star Wars show, this <clears> one to me was like the best show, like by miles. It wasn't even close between Andor and this show. Uh, it fucked me up because every depiction of her that I saw in comic books and video games, I hated. And then I see this amazing Muslim American superhero that kind of rocked my world, man. Uh, Miss Marvel is special in a way that I just wasn't expecting in a sea of like really disappointing times in terms of the, the Marvel stuff. And, you know, it just feels like it was on this downshift. And then out of the blue, this cool, this cool ass character comes and kind of shakes up my world. I love how light it was. And when it got heavy, it was pretty heavy. They touched on some really cool stuff in, in ways that didn't feel heavy handed. And you could tell that, some people that had experience with feeling like the other did this show. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just a special, special show. And I, the more I thought about it, you know, Andor was in my head, but the more I thought about it, Miss Marvel was in my head like the whole year, almost nonstop. So that's my pick. Yeah, it's a great pick. I mean, definitely one of the better Marvel series. Uh, I thought okay, you were about so to let's... talk about Werewolf by Night and how important it was that we finally got werewolf representation. In the <laughs> yeah, I should have, man. That too was was very good. No, I know that would have been. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, so HBO Max. Okay. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, there's mm -hmm. so many opportunities to pick stuff for this show for this uh for this platform, but I'm gonna be basic as hell and just say House of the Dragon. And I'm only going to say mainly because I feel like while I love the first season, obviously I'm super excited for what comes next. I'm mainly picking it because of how successful the network was in kind of leveraging and spinning off and just continuing what they could do with the biggest show of all time, you know, and however you feel about how Game of Thrones ended, the time between it and House of Dragons start. You know, there's been a, a like a big appetite for more of that world. And I think that the way they managed and handled the first season and, and, you know, casting and we talked about it, like the time jumps and like concern about that and really not being a concern. The performances in the first season, uh, you know, we talked about Patty Considine specifically, just amazing work, not to mention just that vibe of like. Sunday night, I got another Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon episode that I get to sit down 
with my wife and like we just wait for it every week to watch and you know other shows on hbo hbo max do that same thing and they're amazing shows and hopefully you guys pick two of them two other ones but i just think they're what game of thrones meant to me i picked a a really shitty one yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Way to let me down, John. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> you know, but, but like, you know, what Game of Thrones meant to me as a series and is one of my favorite shows ever. A lot of hesitation, a lot of concern, like what, you know, how is it going to work? And I think it worked just period. Yeah. And worked wildly successful, like just viewership is crazy. And it's just like, um, you know, especially even even succeeding, you know, going up against on a separate platform at the same time, the rings of power on Amazon prime, which is kind of not the same audience, but it's two big IP shows. Um, and for house of the dragon to perform the way it did both commercially in terms of viewership and just like narratively. I mean, there's some all time scenes in the first season of house of the dragon. If you want to talk about game of Thrones world, like there's all time scenes in that first season, they accomplished that. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about. What's the first and, scene you think of when you say that all time scenes? Uh, there's one, the one that jumped to the front of the line for me. Um, I don't know. I mean, two are in my mind. Either think of to me, the kid getting knocked out of the sky. I mean, that dragon. That, 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 it's that, that last scene at, of the season, essentially, not the, of yeah. the very last scene, but the last big moment of the season. That's a big one. But there's one that was more of a not not quite as dynamic of a moment that was upsetting though ronald like Some, what, something something like was seeing, seeing seeing the pieces of the little dragon like yeah. it wasn't just a kid it, it was it, it was yeah. a kid dragon and <laughs> and watching the pieces of it as it fell the wing was still flapping like yeah. on just a chunk of flesh Oof. as it was falling uh but it's it's a uh, viserys walking viserys, into the courtroom yeah. his his long walk up with that goes from being bizarre to being uncomfortable at the moment yeah to being right kind moment. of funny to being very powerful to being very sad i mean somehow it goes on long enough for you to go through this gamut of yeah. feelings yeah. and again i feel like he was the mvp for me of the season in a lot of ways yeah what a great show what a great world what a great like continuation and and i'm glad that they know what they're doing as far as story-wise like that they for know sure. now what they've got set out for them and they've said it's going to be so many years they're they're not they're not making a show about a story that hasn't been finished yet, which yes. was a bit of an issue before. Um, so, you know, this was an interesting one, HBO Max. I was a little confused, like, what's an HBO Max show? Is it an HBO show? Is If it's on Cinemax, does it count? So I basically used the standard of <laughs> if it was on my HBO Max app, I I, I would count it. Oh. You know? So I didn't know okay. I didn't know what the standard was outside of that. Um, yeah. But there were that's like a good that's a good rule of thumb. There were like four shows that were kind of tied four, actually, like six shows that i think i liked about the same so i was like well okay I, i'm just gonna pick which one this is, the, this is the ultimate walker about no but it's happen, not right? because i'm not gonna okay. say what they are okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like i so i but i thought like what show was that appointment what show was that week to week gosh there's one show that i really want to say but i'm gonna just be my version of basic and say peacemaker was good good uh i mean it hit the, it hit those marks it like it it was not quite like I think Andor gives us the first out of the Marvel, out of the DC, out of the um, out of the Star Wars. Wars. That's the first show that feels like it's competing with the quality of television that we're dealing with nowadays. Peacemaker was this close. It didn't yeah. feel like prestige television, but it did feel like a, a movie, the movie world being extended perfectly <clears throat> into the TV realm, almost to the point where the footage would match up. Although when they did show one clip from one of the movies as a flashback, it looked so much better. You realize that movies still look better than television. Yeah. I'm not sure why that's a conversation for another day. 
Um, but no, it just had the James Gunn humor. It had characters that stuck out for me. What I'm remembering is your Bluey experience. My family's Bluey was was Peacemaker. <laughs> it was like the the whole family was equally invested in it. Like, you know, the Marvel shows, the Star Wars stuff. Henry kind of comes in and out of how interested he is. Sometimes <clears> he doesn't want to watch it when it's brand new. He'll watch it later, you know, um, and that's unheard of. But the truth is, Peacemaker, we were all always ready to go. Like when right. that was ready to watch, the whole family would like, you know, make time for it. And it's, yeah, it's funny, gross, action-packed, violent, all the stuff you want from James Gunn. But it also had that weird thing that you get with the television show, which is a cast of characters, an ad hoc family, that by the time it gets to the end of a season, you you care about these these idiotic <clears throat> uh, constructs. Um, and I think, you know, James Gunn knows how to do that. So, yeah. And also now this feels like this is the, this is the tipping point of him becoming the DC guy. Yeah. So if this is an indication of what he's going to do in little pockets of that world, um, you know, it's, it's hopeful, but I'm not judging it based on how it fits into a franchise. I'm just saying it was a really good, funny show. Season, and, that, yeah. and talk about something that had like meme power. Uh, that opening sequence opening was something sequence, that gained yeah. traction in the culture. People were exerting <clears throat> it. People were imitating it. People were talking about it. You know, the fact that people were talking about, oh, it's the one I don't hit skip intro on. Um, you know, that means something <laughs> in 2022. So. <clears throat> cool. Oh, my pick. Um, <laughs> so I, I was a big you know when i wasn't a disney guy when i got a little older i became a huge hbo guy so i was like big into like josephine baker's story and mandela and there was a show that kind of brought it back to that feeling of like those kind of what hulu's doing that kind of filthy feeling where you're like man this person really did that back in the day um and that's winning time the the, the hmm. rise of the lakers dynasty uh there's the show that broke that, up Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Yeah, unfortunately, man. Easy. Hopefully they, yeah. they become friends again at some point. But yeah, this felt like <clears throat> the feeling that I felt in the 90s when, uh, you know, like a HBO Pictures biopic would come on. Mm -hmm. And it was like, except I say the casting was much better in this one. Um, it was just fun. And I learned a lot. And I actually read the book, Winning Time a chunk of it and it, it was almost like page for page these like accounts of the lakers and stuff like that so everything that i read i was seeing on screen i that's not very common it's not very common wow. to see a direct translation like that yeah, so yeah this was a, this was like to me one of the better things that i'd seen this year so winning time and they're coming back for a second season too, right? Get the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Get out of here! Get out of here! Get the grease out your ass, man! <laughs> Whatever that means. Asterisk. We're still looking that up. <laughs> but speak, speaking of, just to go back to Truck Turner, you know, Ronald, you said improv might be happening there. Um, mm. You know what I think is evidence of improv with amateurish actors is every line starts with man and ends with man. Yes. You yes know. you that is come on man it, man man what you doing man <laughs> that's the comedian's version of man that's crazy yeah it's like the what comedians do those like a low-tech yeah transitional right. phrase yeah so wild stuff wild stuff wild stuff. <laughs> speaking true. of wild it's stuff true. we got we got this last category the everything else category this is this is just uh this is this was the hardest one i this mean honestly. all the stupid no, shitty streaming no. services that aren't as important as the ones we just <laughs> the dumbasses who can't get their shit together and get more than 50 million subscribers <laughs> um 
but yeah, so anything is really represented in here. You know, we're talking things like Hulu, Apple TV Plus, uh, Peacock, Paramount Plus, Roku Channel. You know, anything that's out there. You know what I mean? And and some of the things that we just you know the these networks that just mentioned really, if you're going to make a list of your favorite shows of the year, a lot of my picks would be from these services. You know, to be mm-hmm. honest. But for my pick, and again, part of this is banking on maybe what you guys may choose. Um, I'm banking but, on you, Steve. I'm banking on you, Steve. Don't bank on well, me. No, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going wild card here. I'm going with a service that I didn't even mention. Oh, you motherfucker! Although, you know what? Let me think a second. So, John, you made the comment about HBO and HBO Max. So, if it's in the app, it qualifies. That's Is my that what impression. We're saying? I, I think so. Because okay. you could you could watch it purely on the. Do app you agree never... with that, Ronald? Here, here's the re- let me make the case for why I feel that I way for you. Um, uh, if you only go through the if you've cut the cord and you only yeah. go through the app, then that show is on that app. Now, Just that now, app. Now, now you could debate what streaming service, like for instance, it was Andor produced for. Right, is right. on Hulu as like a thing they're doing through that. But I still think of Andor as a Disney Plus show. That one doesn't count as a as a Hulu show. But I think okay. if you go to Hulu and it's got st- like you don't, I don't know what's an FX show that's on Hulu and what's a Hulu. Show. I mean, I don't know the difference between that often. Right, so right, right, right. that's where I am. But yeah, you know, we can always fight each other. If one of us mentions a pick that we think is invalid, we can break up. <laughs> This can be the end of movie movie. <laughs> See, it's, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a weird pick. Like I I keep going back and forth because it ended in 2022, mm-hmm. started oh. in 2021. So does that qualify or no? I think I think it qualifies. I think it qualifies. What do you think, Depends. John? I I think it qualifies only because I was not sure that I could. I'm not sure that you can always find an accurate list of that anyway, unless you go in and look at the actual dates of premiering of stuff, you know. So I think that's fair. The back half of the season ended in January. So like it was very early, but I'm going to just give it love because I don't want people to forget about this show. They just announced today that the second season's coming out in March, but it's Showtime's Yellow Jackets. Ah, yeah. And I feel like we talked a lot about this show at the early part of the year again people kind of came to it even later than it aired because it kind of was one of those shows that caught on. And, you know, I think just because of the idea of uh, the casting is just so amazing in the show, you know, you have some of, because it's built around these two, two separate timelines of like the nineties and today or present day. And these high schoolers that were on this trip, uh, I think it was a soccer team that, you know, has a plane crash and they crash onto this Island or into this forest. And, kind of strange stuff happens. It's very, at least what it's shown so far, maybe some lost type of stuff kind of going on. And then maybe some other not so losty kind of stuff going on, like just some bad people maybe. Um, But yeah, I just feel like the casting, you know, having actresses like Melanie Linsky, Christina Ricci, uh, Juliette Lewis play the adult versions of the main characters of the teens from the nineties. It's just genius. And also just the soundtrack to the show is nothing but 90s alternative bangers. Like just the playlist on Spotify has been something I've listened to all year. Like the official one is just it's incredible. And what's you know, the show is that like a jam, a banger. Yeah, it's a jam or a bop. Um, is it kind of adjacent? Yeah, it, it, to a bop? It's just like a bop. Yeah, it's okay, a bop. But yeah, it's, a, little, it's a, a little harder than a bop, right? Like yeah, it's a little sounds... harder. Yeah, okay. it's got that edge to it, much like the 90s alternative music did. If we were to pluralize that, <laughs> would we put a Z on there? Bangers. <laughs> um we could do that. I mean, yeah. just because of who we are, we could do that right now. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got it's got that mix of like horror, mystery, thriller. And another show that I almost chose for this pick 
has the same thing. But the X factor for this was the 90s of it all. The 90s actresses playing the present day versions of these teens and the performances are just amazing. I mean, the show is incredible. And, you know, the way the show ended the first season, you know, very uh, much like the other show I almost picked, uh, great cliffhanger. And I just think that, you know, for all the shows that exist that we talked about this season or this year, you know, there's really only two shows that like really left me on that crazy kind of cliffhanger feeling. And I got to go with my 90s love and I got to give the edge to Yellow Jackets. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, honestly, an all female cast, it's just and everybody's kicking ass the entire Ooh. season. Um, and again, you got Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis and Melanie Linsky, especially, you know, Melanie Linsky is like low key, one of the best around doing it still. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, having them all together as the leads is just like a gift. So, yeah, Yellow Jackets is on Showtime. Again, they just announced today, actually, that the second season comes out in March of 2023. So um, looking forward to that. John, you're next. Tell me the other one that I almost picked. Oh, see, what if I don't, though? What if I were to say right now, I'm not going to fall into your trap, Steve? Oh, my God, John. Then Ronald but, might pick it. But but there's a know. chance. There's a chance that then when this podcast is over, I will snap into a different yes. identity that doesn't yes. remember anything that happened on this podcast. And, I'll and then you, you'd be like, what happened? Life before we recorded this podcast. You'd never know otherwise. None the wiser and perfectly happy because, frankly, that version of me is so happy he doesn't <laughs> have to deal with the fucking bullshit <laughs> of being on the podcast with you fuck-ass sons of bitches. <laughs> um, of course, Severance is the is the show. You were talking about yeah, the, yeah. the the uh, the the cliffhanger, the <clears throat> ending. That ending was one of the most. I mean, I almost wanted to give it to a, a sideways choice because there are things we haven't talked about as much. And obviously, Severance is getting a lot of ink. Yeah, People are yeah. definitely they know about this show. Yeah, but I mean, I think just for me, you know, you talked about Lost. You talk about these different things. There's all these different feelings that a show can give you, and Severance is a weird. A uh, tonally specific show that takes several episodes. If you really were to just cut out the footage of people walking down hallways together, you might have like half the length of the season. I mean, it's a very weirdly <laughs> paced show, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it draws you in. And it's like, yeah. it reminds me of something David Lynchy or like The Prisoner or something like that, where the weirdness and the odd pace and herky jerky feeling is part of it, it's part of the concept. I think these are actors that we like to see. I think Adam Scott is someone who we're happy got not just a vehicle, but this kind of oddball vehicle. John Turturro yeah. is, every time he pops up in a role that he gets to really show what he can do these days, he's amazing. Um, the 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 cat people they've added for season two, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, um, Aaliyah Shawkat, um, Gwendolyn Christie, Bob Balaban. Um, it's that show, John Noble. Uh, from Fringe, uh, no, it's just it's that show where it's like it's going into the second season and it's adding people that sound like ooh, it's like it's like Fargo where the people they announce who's going to be on it and now you go oh, I wonder what that's going to be like in this world. What what can Aaliyah Shawkat what what can she add to uh, to this world? What can Bob Balaban bring to this world? Um, I'm assuming Ben Stiller is still heavily involved on the directorial side of it. So I mean, I I think it's just a season two. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do and a lot of it has to do with as you said steve the way they left us that that last half an episode but really like the last 10 minutes yes. were some of the most like carefully made carefully like if you want to say the season moved a little slow 
but it built up to that. I think even then it's still worth it. But I would say that even when the, when it was being slow, it was it was giving you information and getting you into this weird world. But that it yeah, the hook of where this can go, the potential of it, the the difference between your work self and your home self um and the the need to keep those separate i mean there's so much going on there metaphorically and just within the narrative the fantasy sci-fi aspect of it that are interesting things to chew on so yeah severance is uh it was the obvious one it was the, when you said you weren't gonna go obvious it was the one i knew you weren't picking so damn it yeah. steve you controlled me <laughs> it worked yeah i'm like a puppet <laughs> all right ronald okay. round it out baby and this is this shouldn't be a surprise for you guys um I've championed this show forever. Oh, forever. You mean since a it man, came out? Since it came out. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a random a random fighter, <laughs> the son of a failed boxer, goes into an alley and recognizes a man that committed a crime. And he jumps into a world of crime from that point on that is relentless. Gangs of London season two. More guns, more action, more twists, more turns. They sacrifice people you didn't think would get sacrificed. This is fucking crazy how they upped the ante from season one to season two. Gangs of London. AMC Plus's Gangs of London 2. They just announced three will come. The moment this that show, you the, the moment when we were making the categories and you said AMC plus, I'm like, all right, he's got that he's got that one covered. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like kind of like a it's a more of a niche one. And it's like, what's the one on there? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely Gangs of London. Yeah, it's such a strangely good show. Like every show feels every episode feels like a movie. I know, I know yeah. it's like a hard thing to really imagine because sure, TV shows do feel like movies, but sure. cinematically, action-wise. Um, Sope Duraso, who plays Elliot Finch, he's like this guy that we can all put ourselves in. Like he he's he gets in these jams that are so crazy, and he gets more vicious as the season goes by. There's a, there's a robbery that they do in this show that I've been thinking about ever since I saw it. You want to try? Basically, it? it's basically you let your car float a little bit up to tap a person's car <laughs> you that person comes out of the car and then you come from the opposite side it got done like three times in this show it, and i was like this is genius i've never seen it before and it happened three times in this show or two times in the show so it's just one of those shows man action packed people die get shot to mush mm. throats get ripped out Mm. yeah it's like it's i don't want to say this comparison like just because it's 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 way more than this movie series mm. but like if you're a fan of something like john wick yeah yeah you know for sure. like or or even more appropriately and, and directly connected like the raid you know those kinds of that that vibe of the action at least and like how visceral it gets and then you mix that with like the crime saga Yes. Element of like the family crime saga. Yeah. And it's just a, it's just like, it's just a perfect marriage. And like the way they hand, I haven't finished season two yet. So I gotta, I gotta okay. hold back on it. But I just think that, yeah, I mean, you and I were going nuts over season one. And, you yeah. know, to, to think that it's season two's here and season three's already been announced. Um, And it's exciting to see more people talking about the series, yes. especially because it's, you know, immediately available on AMC Plus and things like that this time around. Um, 
but yeah, that's a great pick. And yeah, that's something that people can find. Yeah, I don't, I don't think enough people have seen that show and they need to because yeah, if anything that we mentioned, like John Wick or The Raid or those kinds of action movies, um, the choreography element of them, you know, that's all over this show. Like every yeah. every episode has some big fucking fight yeah. or something, some shootout, something that's on that scope. That's what Ronald's talking about when he said it's like cinematic, like it's got that. Yeah, attention and it's got that thought. Um, but yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible show. <clears throat> so um, I just want to throw this out there. Yeah. We're not gonna get bogged down doing a bunch of ultra rands, but um, does anybody have a show that like you're shocked didn't come up? Steve. The bear. Oh. I forgot about the bear. What about I you? Had two, I had I had I had two picks I thought Ronna was gonna pick for this category, and it was Gangs of London or the Bear. Okay. That's why I didn't pick the bear. I kind of was playing the odds. It, it fell through, but yeah, the bear is one of my favorite shows of the year on Hulu. Uh, yeah, just just a great flawless series. Ronald, was there anything that you can't believe didn't come up? I forgot that the bear came out in 2022. I mean, like that is that shows perfection, man. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's. I couldn't really think of anything else. I I really wanted to mention our flag means death, but you know, yeah, oh, that's yes, a good one too. Yes. There's always you know, honestly, week. HBO Max is like you know, just to, to kind of wrap up this conversation. Like HBO Max is even when we're going on the list, you know, is just such a wealth of great shows. Like, and that's kind of that HBO reputation. That's and they've and they've managed to kind of pivot into the streaming space with that in terms of like the shows that they that they're making still, and you know new shows that they're starting to make, you know, shows like, you know, uh, like our flag means death and hacks and, you know, succession white Lotus. Like they just got all these great prestige shows that are um, station Minx. 11 even was last year. Minx. Although Minx like, is a Cinemax show, but it's essentially, isn't it? Or is it an HBO max? I think it's an HBO show. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty know, sure. What I love is that we've just mentioned, you know, I said there were six that were tied for me for HBO Max. Right. right. I didn't have to walk or anything. And we yeah. just got, we you just did, named you, them all. So you paid it back and you got me <laughs> yeah. to say it for you. Yes. Um, we got steved. <clears throat> yeah, there it was. Um, when I think I still got Walker, it's just like the next level of it. It's like your Jedi powers have just, you know, ascended. Um, I can incept you. But yeah, Walker just like now. HBO Max just is Who's like, the puppet I, feel now? Like, <laughs> I feel like HBO Max is just such a, the excellence is there on, on another level in terms of just the quality across the board. Um, you know, and, and even you mentioning severance, you know, I think we've talked a few times like Apple TV plus also has a, a level of like quality that I think is, is definitely setting them apart. Even if they're not like the most popular service out there, like a lot of their series are um, very good. And um, you know, I think that's yeah. something that some of the other platforms would, would, would love to have like that kind of a, of a library that they've created from nothing because they don't have the vault. They don't have the library titles. Like, you know, they're creating this, um, this library as they go. So that's an interesting piece of theirs. Um, I also was going to, for, um, on Netflix, one of the ones it's, it's a, every year, it's like one of my favorite shows is never have I ever, mm -hmm. um, just a, again, like that rom-com coming of age, high school thing and sucker for it. And it's just, they do it better every season. And, um, that show is definitely one of my favorites as well. I don't think there's anything else that, uh, yeah, you mentioned um, Gangs of London. There's a lot of shows that honestly, I mentioned it earlier with Falling Behind on the Boys. I just, I just haven't watched yet that I've heard are great. You know, like I've heard a lot of good things recently about the peripheral on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. 
which is um the people that yeah, did this world. Yeah. I gotta I gotta catch that. Uh, it's supposed to be. Really I want to see the English. I, I want to. Yeah, the English is supposed. That's that's HBO Max. Uh, it's Amazon. 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 Yeah. Yeah, so that's two on Amazon. Like I didn't watch the Terminal List, which I don't, I don't know that I would love that show, but I heard a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's Amazon's problem. I think is like you know, or, or maybe most of these streaming services just like awareness of what and when is when is available. Yeah, it's just a weird challenge, and <clears throat> um, you know, we come across a lot of stuff by just sharing in conversation, but like other stuff, like just completely just falls falls to the side. But yeah, um. Let me let me ask you guys this just as a kind of a just to sum it up and just to close this one out. If you had to only keep one streaming service, which one would you keep? John, you can go first. You know, um I'm picturing this. I'm I guess my answer is based on something kind of tricky because it's not really based on the series, but it's based on how how often I just watch movies on Amazon Prime. But I use it. I use, you know, even if I'm renting a movie for three ninety nine or whatever, I'm using that yeah, you know, that nice, streaming yeah. app, that streaming service, the most. Um, I would actually say, gosh, it's tough to say though, as far as like the actual offerings of the service. I I think I go to Netflix a lot as though I'm going to find something I want to watch there, but I don't always find something new that I want to watch there. And I'll end up going to some sitcom or something that I've seen before. I don't know. So I, yeah, it's tough to know, but I guess I would say Amazon prime is the one that I end up watching the most because I am watching a lot of movies and, and I do like some of the programming they have, but I honestly rings of power and uh, kids in the hall were the only, and the boys were the only Amazon prime shows that I watched religiously this year. So Ronald. it's not an exciting answer. HBO max. It's the HBO. one. It's got the the most good it, material, right? Like it's, original. It's it's the most diverse. It has anime. It has it. It's it's crazy. Like, and now they're starting to like put like you were saying stuff from like Showtime, and it's it's weird the way that HBO Max is set up now. So it's, I'm seeing more things than I would have before. And to make it even more confusing. Uh, m- this week, there's uh, rumors that the whole rebranding of HBO Max and oh, Discovery no, no, Plus, the app is going to be called Max. Good Wild. guy, man. Just Wild. Max. Yeah, like that's that's what they came up with. What is wrong with them? I, I don't know. That's just more silliness, I think. But yeah, um, to make it even more odd and confusing, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, ma- I made the comment before. I just feel like across the board, HBO Max has like the most like quality of stuff yeah but i but i kind of feel like you know netflix is still the the one i would i would have to have i just think that you know there's a there's more than enough on there that i enjoy watching and i think also just for like the family element of it uh you know like the kids stuff and even stuff that aaron loves like some of the more pulpy kind of shows that they have that i don't personally watch but like she loves and i just feel like as a well-rounded product for the price point um, I still think it's the leader, you know, and I think I think it's something that they're challenged for constantly. But I do think they've had such a head start in certain areas that it'll be interesting to see like how they leverage the ad tiers and like whatever they're going to eventually try to do with like stopping people sharing things and things like that, like passwords, and how that affects the platform. But I think dollars, you know, across, you know, just for for my dollar, I think that I still find myself going to Netflix the most. Um, and not to mention, I, I love a lot of the shows on Netflix. Like I love Dahmer. I love, 
you know, um, what was the, I, I started watching Wednesday. I think that's a lot of fun. You know, it's like, this show is like massively huge this year already. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have so much coming out that like, I just find myself always at least interested in checking something out. And well, that's what I mean yeah, about just, always going to it kind of first and flipping around because yeah, it's, I just, end it's up like watching you're trained to I, it almost that I'm not that excited about. I'll be like, yeah. something in that top 10, that trending, that new is going to be For interesting. Sure. And they have such a constant flow of yeah. new stuff. Whereas with HBO Max, I find that the shows I love there, there's more shows I love there, but the shows I watch religiously when they come out, I watch it. And then I'm not going back to HBO max, except when I'm expecting right. that's one the, of those shows. That's a good point. Like you're Whereas following Netflix, I'm jumping on. And I actually browse Hulu a lot too. Hulu has a lot of, I watch true crime shit still kind of as comfort food. So I spend a lot of time going to, um, you know, Dis- Discovery Plus and Peacock both have like Dateline or whatever kind of true yeah. crime shows. That's like so. If you're going to put something like that on and almost leave it on like background, um, then um, that that's happening. But I don't, I don't, I wouldn't. If I had to really choose what shows were part of my diet, I don't know that I would. I would consider that stuff that. The important. other thing that's like weird about HBO Max that I'm I'm curious to see how it looks going forward is that, and it really hasn't been a big impact so far because it's more about their shows, but like the the way they're going to change you know, the kid, the the family and child, like kid programming on the platform and like not make as many movies for the platform. You know, like I'd be curious to see how that affects the platform as like a go-to exercise, you know, outside of being like, oh, the Batman was in theaters for two or for a month and a half and now it's on HBO Max, so I'll go watch it there. Where like when things break, I feel like and have that moment, they're having the moment, whether it's theatrical or if it's a streaming TV series, like, when it first hits and I feel like it still feels like Netflix is that platform for it, for me at least still. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It'd be curious to see how they all kind of change or, you know, flex a little bit in the coming year, because I think they all need to change. And, I, you know, said it before, but we'll say it again. Like some of these everything else ones, they're they're going to go away. They're going to go away. They're going to be absorbed, bought, changed, consolidated, whatever. But it'll be curious to see um, how that happens. Yeah, um, sure. So that's cool, man. That's a good conversation. I appreciate you guys, you know, going through and picking those favorites uh, of this year uh, for the platforms. Was there anything else that you watched in the last week that you wanted to mention before we wrap up the episode on on any of those platforms or movie theaters or anything like that? I actually. Yes. Okay, Ronald. Let's hear. Perfect. What you have Perfect. Let's go. Okay. Do it. The the Norwegian film Troll, mm. the, on a Netflix movie. Netflix on Netflix, on Netflix man. Uh, so there is one cool thing about Netflix that they kind of bring to the table and that's like 4k good sounding movies. And if you have a, a solid sound sound bar, this thing thumps, man, it thumps in a way that I just hadn't really seen, you yeah. know, a lot of movies like this, this it's a cool story. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of told you guys, it feels like, Skull Island, like the Skull Island version of Troll Hunter. Yeah. Um, it's it's not even related. These two movies aren't related, but you could tell it was definitely inspired by Troll Hunter, um, which cool. came out like 2007 or something like that. But great movie to watch, really fun, really quick. And when the troll shows up, he's on screen for the rest of the movie. So it's That's not awesome. like it's not hidden. He's just like, oh, I'm here. He's not as big as you might think. It's a weird line of dialogue to have in. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, so, you're yeah. not. <laughs> That's the other guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, troll trolls a fun one, man. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We were talking about all the offerings on Netflix. And like mm-hmm. one thing that's interesting about Netflix is like Henry Selleck and uh, and Jordan Peele collaborated on a movie that no one's even talking about that is on yeah. the service, Wendell and Wild. So stop motion animation junkies can pop on to the service the day this episode comes out and see that. Or they can watch uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I saw in the theater uh, yesterday. I, I was um, I was had a chance to be down in Annapolis where they, the, the art house theater there just has better selections than the one here in Baltimore. It gets stuff. Sooner. Yeah. Um, and I like I, that theater a lot. I'm going to watch, I, I had to choose between this or the Fablemans, but I figured the Fablemans isn't more theaters. It's actually kind of in semi wide release right now. So um, I can catch that more easily. So I watched Pinocchio, which I thought, well, I could see it on Netflix on Friday, but seeing it on the big screen, this is a movie that is gorgeous and the gorgeousness of it is going to be a lot of the selling point for the the casual viewer, I think. You know, you might have a lot of thoughts about whether you've seen Pinocchio before, whether you are interested in that story. Um, For me, this movie continues the trend of Guillermo del Toro being like my favorite filmmaker who I don't always love his movies and I don't always love his full aesthetic. I think there are moments when he has made something that I think is near perfect. Like I thought Nightmare Alley was fantastic. Um, uh, And I, I mean, I've loved his movies, but more so I love him. I love his aesthetic. I love what he's able to do. Like that cabinet of curiosities on Netflix is a similar thing. It's like it's got that Guillermo del Toro vibe to it, even when yeah. it's not clicking. It's like there's a there's a level paid to production design and like old world like costumes and the lighting and the sets and everything. The makeup is artistic, and so you would expect his stop motion animation foray, um, which was co-directed by. I'm gonna make sure I'm getting the guy's name right. Is it Mark Gustafson? Um. Uh, 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 uh. Well, I don't see the name on here, but anyway, I believe it's the guy who co-directed all of the, um, uh, like what was the, the, um, yeah, the, Mark uh, Gustafson, and he also, I think it was one of the Wes Anderson movies that he co-directed. Maybe it was the Fantastic Mr. Fox. But anyway, so this is an amazingly accomplished visual film. There's a couple of character designs that are in that uncanny valley of being like so unappealing that they're kind of awful to look at. Like sometimes there's certain puppets that make me feel funny because they're so ugly and weird looking, mm. but they they look kind of real. Um, but outside of some some moments of and a couple of major characters that are sort of just in my mind like overdone, unattractive designs, it's got that kind of quirky look and feel almost like of a Henry Selleck or a Leica production. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting movie. It, it's Guillermo del Toro. He said it's kind of part of his trilogy of films of people kind of fighting fascism and political turmoil, like so that it fits in with Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. And I think if you see the movie, you'll see how it can live up to that claim that it actually does deal with the backdrop of war and you know real events. But the problem with the movie, and I saw someone say it's too kitty for adults and it's too adult for kids i don't quite agree with that like i think a kid who's into weird dark creepy imagery would find this movie really arresting i think there's so much to recommend it it's so fun but the problem is it the the brat it just hits the the brakes whenever they try to do like the kitty humor or like a song there's like five or six musical moments in this that just do not work at all like i thought the music was like downright bad, um, if not just kind of a non-starter. So I feel like if the movie didn't try to kind of feign towards being a musical, and if it didn't have a, those some ill-advised attempts to be funny, I just don't know if Guillermo del Toro is a particularly hilarious guy. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the problem. But I think 
outside of that, the very things you might think would be hypnotic and beautiful about this movie, it is something to look at. And and in the end, I think it does do some really cool, interesting things with the way it wraps up and the way it kind of updates the idea of Pinocchio, which is like Pinocchio's desire to be a real boy can be seen in modern eyes as like, well, shouldn't you want to be yourself? What's this thing he wants to be that he's not? This movie finds a, an interesting way of keeping the, the original idea and building it towards a, a moral or a lesson, if you will, that feels more contemporary. Um, but no, uh, great voice cast, some really cool things about it. Absolutely gorgeous in spots. Um, and uh, uh, very visceral, nicely textured. Uh, but but yeah, you, you're going to wish to God it didn't have any of these songs in it. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to mention, I'll round out the uh, Netflix hat trick here, and I'll just say that I finally caught up with uh, Jonah Hill's documentary, Stutz. I um, wanted to see that. How is it? No question, the best documentary I've seen all year. And it's maybe one of my favorite movies I've seen all year. It's just like, I, I've never experienced like a therapy session or stuff like that. But it's imagine like, you know, the 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 Phil Stutz, the, his his therapist who the documentary is about. And it's basically like them, you know, this journey they've taken together when jo Jonah started using him years ago just for help and with anxiety attacks and things like that. But the, the you know, the way that the documentary is kind of laid out in these just conversational pieces that discuss this gentleman's um, approach to therapy, which he calls the tools. It just seems like this movie feels a bit like a therapy session of what I imagine one could feel like if you were in the hands of someone as gifted as this gentleman seems to be. Um, it's just a really sweet documentary. Um, it gets really personal on both sides of the conversation. And, you know, as someone I, I really like Jonah Hill and I really kind of appreciate and respect like some of the public issues that he's had. And, you know, he's been pretty open about some of this stuff. And I'm sure some of that started when he was started working with this therapist. Um. But yeah, I just I, I recommend if you if you have like, you know, an hour and a half or so to watch this documentary. I mean, I just feel like I found myself kind of pausing at times to like think about the concepts that he's putting forward in, in his approach to dealing with mental health and things of that nature. Um, and these ideas that he presents and, you know, that are all part of these tools that he offers his patients. Um, I just found it really kind of like it kind of knocked me out a little bit. Cause I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Like it, it, I'm, I'm in a position where I've been very stressed, very anxious in life, you know? And I feel like this movie kind of like, that's why I felt like myself kind of taking in some of the stuff he was saying. I was very receptive mm. to the conversation and to these ideas that he presents to his patients. And just as a person, it just seems like just an amazing person. Um, and somebody that I'm sure Jonah Hill is very fortunate to have found, you know, to help him with his life. But I think he's a very well-known uh, therapist and has helped tons of like big name creatives and celebrities and things like that. But just a, just a gem of a man. I mean, at least for what I can see in this documentary, but yeah, it's called Stutz. It's only like an hour, 30 hour, 40 minutes. It's on again, Netflix directed by Jonah Hill. And it's really just the two of them. Jonah's, Jonah's mom is in it briefly is a part of one of the sessions. Um, but I can't recommend it enough. It was outstanding. I loved it. Wow. Yeah. So it's called Stutz. That's. I just um, realized that all the way to the bowl might refer to all the way to like a bowl game, like an athletic, like a super. Oh. Okay. Or, or I was thinking it meant to the toilet. I know that, but that, <laughs> but that's set after saying you're gonna, 
you're gonna deep walk through your girlfriend all the way to the toilet. Oh, wait Seems to the bowl. pretty nasty. I mean, you but can all the way to out. like a bowl game makes a little bit more sense. Anyway, oh, just well, he was he was a football player in that's, the movie. That's right? what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So there, there's that. That's logical. All the way to the ball. That makes Look a at lot you. more sense. Coming out of a nice therapy documentary to connecting it to the post-coitus, going to the bowl. Oh, by the way, I um, meant to mention, I'm so glad you said the word coitus. We've got a new coitus animal, coitus cat. <laughs> Did you not notice he was sitting there watching him? If, yeah. you know, if longtime listeners might remember that in Creed, we talked about coitus turtle, who's a turtle who watches Creed have sex with his girlfriend on the couch at Rocky's place. Um, and coitus turtle has lived on in people's minds and hearts since that day. Yeah, um, uh, he continues to. But I think today we can say Coitus Cat has joined the group because th that cat was definitely just watching it. Yeah. <laughs> and he that cat to... didn't have long to live either. So that cat, that, that was one of the most beautiful things that cat saw like in the la the later days of its life was two people yeah, making love. for sure. <laughs> Before he was brutally slain. <laughs> oh. With the beautiful art of love making with McDonald's wrappers and, and like empty bottles all around and stuff. <clears throat> As it is, yeah. As it is, and yeah, as it is. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Moviesmovie.com is the website. Uh, you can hit us up there. Jump into whatever podcast platform you prefer to use if you want to subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, you may be. Hopefully, you are. And if you are, hopefully, you've already left a review or a rating. If that platform offers it, yeah, buy another phone and subscribe on that. Yeah. Is you that know? another subscription though? It's probably the same account, right? If you buy another phone, I think it would go in. Separately. Okay. Well, you got to okay, have a whole, get on that, guys. A whole new ID. <laughs> we got. We got to get on that, John. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So that's the website. You can listen right on the site if you prefer, just to kind of watch through the browser or listen through the browser rather. Um, but speaking of watching, YouTube.com/slash Movie Movie Podcast is the visual option if you want to watch the video that Ronald puts together uh, every week. And uh, thank you, Ronald. Yeah, for putting it's, it's just as it's just as fun video. as the podcast, but you get to watch us, you know, make Hell weird yeah. gestures with our hands and laugh and walk off camera for 10 seconds, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> you see all the weird things um, we do with our hands when we're really right. excited about a film. When you're listening, you can only guess what, like, you know, we're doing, yeah. but like now you can confirm or deny those assumptions. Um, but yeah, if you do follow the YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell to get the notifications when new episodes or new videos come out because uh, we do put out some shorts during the week just to kind of promote the next week's episode or like maybe next week's required viewing. I'm sure Ron is going to put together a great short about avatar, uh, which I can't wait to watch. Um, and by short, short, I mean, avatar, it's probably going to be like a five minute short, right? It's going to go beyond the 60 seconds that YouTube <laughs> right. allows. Um, but yeah, follow us on the YouTube option, or if you want to listen, just please subscribe. And again, thank you for listening. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.